Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. The, cha- uh, the book is Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. I will try and read slowly and soothingly like I work for NPR. Listen now for the word of God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, God will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said to him, all of these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen. Good theology always starts with a confession. So here is mine. I really, 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 really hate waking up early. And I I don't think you understand how much I hate waking up early. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of, like, I don't know, Beyonce getting pneumonia and canceling her concert as I'm going to see it, to the world being destroyed. I'm on like the world being destroyed. This is awful. I hate waking up early. But when I was in college, I was told, you need to wake up early every single morning and read your Bible and pray if you want to be a good Christian. (sighs) I guess. So I would wake up every day It's 6.30 in the morning, which 6.30 for most people that are adults is not early. But like I said, I am not most people. And so I would wake up every morning, 6.30, eye boogers still fresh, 
this is an akin to a hazing for me. I would open up the Bible to the verse that was pre-selected for me, and I would force myself to read it, and then would fall asleep again with the Bible open and hopefully not drool in it. And I kept doing this every day, expecting for some magic divine intercession that would make this a holy experience for me. And let me tell you, it didn't work. Um, if you don't take anything else away from the service, I really want you to take this away. Spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices are meant to bring you life and joy and to bring you closer to God and to your community. That's it. Spiritual disciplines are meant to bring you life and joy, bring you closer to God and to your community. Nothing about waking up at 6.30 in the morning for me would make me closer to my neighbor. Because let me tell you, if you run into me without coffee, you run into me early in the morning, you will not see the spirit of the Lord in my heart. In fact, you'll see something quite opposite. Today we're talking about spiritual discipline, talking about making ourselves more like Jesus, leaning deliberately into our relationship with God. To paraphrase Jesus, spiritual practices were made for people. People weren't made for spiritual practices. <laughs> for some people, Maybe for many, waking up at 6.30 in the morning is probably a good thing. I can imagine, like, for parents, getting to sleep in to 6.30 might be a really welcomed refresher, as opposed to the 3 a.m. wake-up calls from babies that are hungry. For many people, this practice brings joy and brings life. But it didn't for me. God didn't give me the desire to do this practice. So me doing something that's meant for someone else is not going to bring me a blessing. Is this making any sense? <laughs> I'm so glad Santa's here. And Heather, both of them together in one, one accord. Before we ha go any further into this text, I really want to hammer this point home. If you're doing a spiritual practice now, that isn't bringing you closer to God, that isn't bringing you closer to your neighbor, that isn't bringing you life and joy, stop doing it. You have my blessing. You have God's blessing. If it isn't improving your life, stop doing it. The entire point of doing something that is a discipline, of practicing something, is to get somewhere. If it isn't moving you closer to God, then why are you doing it? Jesus, in this story, knew that in order to remain spiritually healthy, in order to remain grounded, in order to keep growing, that he needed to be rooted in something. The text starts out with Jesus fasting for 40 days. Now, I'm not going to recommend that anyone here stop eating for 40 days without first consulting a medical professional. But I think that there's something important about this amount of discipline, this amount of deliberate leaning into a spiritual discipline. Jesus didn't take his own personal formation lightly. And I think that 
in Christian circles, we have this tendency to think, oh, well, he was just the son of God. He just like had it. But clearly Jesus doesn't think this way. He deliberately does something that if it's only supposed to bring you closer to God, he didn't really have to do, but he did it. I think that we need to follow the example Christ set and make these decisions to make our lives better reflections of what God wants for us. Hmm. The interesting part of this story for me is the wilderness. Now, you have to rewind with me. We're going to go back in time. Everyone close your eyes. Imagine a time where all of scripture is spoken to you. Imagine a time when we don't have these things written down and the only way that you receive from God is from someone else's voice. Each time you hear this person speak and use the phrase wilderness, in the wilderness, what comes to mind? Can you see the vast space, miles and miles of nothingness, dry land, the wilderness? You can open your eyes. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for people that are familiar with Hebrew scriptures, the wilderness is something that is really familiar. For us, we have once upon a time, or once in a galaxy far, far away, or space, the final frontier, these are the voyages of the Star Trek Enterprise. Or, like, for them, the wilderness is a part of a narrative that arches, it goes back. Here's some examples. Moses was in the wilderness where he encountered a burning bush. Hagar was in the wilderness when she cried out to God, and God heard her cry and saved her life. The wilderness is where David was led, where he wrote most of the Psalms. The wilderness is where Jesus was led to be tempted by the devil. The wilderness is where Philip was led by the Spirit and met an Ethiopian eunuch whom he then led to Christ and baptized and then was caught up. The wilderness is a reoccurring theme because everyone encounters a wilderness of their own. I think that it's interesting that before Jesus moves into the wilderness, before Jesus moves into the flood, before the proverbial shit hits the fan, Jesus fasts for 40 days. I think one of the problems that I know I have, and maybe other people might have too, is that we don't start getting really sincere, or I don't start getting really, really uh, intentional about my faith until the shit hits the fan. It's not until I feel like I'm drowning that I'm like, ooh, you know what, now is a good time to start praying. Now is a good time to start making deliberate uh, connections with my neighbor. For some reason, it's not until I need insurance that I start calling progressive and saying, hey, remember that policy I let run out? And you wanna hook that back up real quick? Uh, but Jesus goes into this wilderness situation already having done the work 
we see it here. 40 days of preparation. And we don't have the same sort of ability to know when temptation or when wilderness times appear. So I think that this uh, verse that was referenced by Kendra is really important. Praying without ceasing, because you never know when the shit is going to hit the fan. And this is really fun to curse in sermons. I'm just going to let you all know. The wilderness looks different for everybody, but everyone ends up in the wilderness at one point or another. For the people of Louisiana and the Gulf Coast area, the wilderness looks like floods. It looks like hurricanes, especially right now. For the people of Oklahoma yesterday, the wilderness looked like an earthquake. For the people of Chicago, the wilderness is the constant barrage of bullets, whether they be fired by police officers at unarmed civilians or by criminals at other criminals or at unarmed civilians with the weapons that they've bought illegally from across other state lines. The wilderness looks different for everyone, but it's still all one place. It's the place where the proverbial shit exists. It's where things fall apart. Put another way, it's where the sidewalk ends. It's where Satan appears to tempt us. It's an interesting place because it's always there. It's always waiting for us to stumble our way into it. Jesus demonstrates what the wilderness can be if we're prepared for it. But so many times I feel unprepared to go into the wilderness. I think that this text is an invitation, not a condemnation of the way that we exist. Rather than saying, shame on you, be more like me, I think this text invites us to do as I do. Whether or not we believe in Satan is beside the point of the story. The wilderness is a place where we face our greatest temptation. Is when the fire is under us, when things fall apart, is when we show who we really are. If we haven't been practicing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, when we are put to the test, those things aren't going to come out of us. So, I'm not going to tell everyone to wake up at 6.30 a.m. and start in Genesis and work your way through Revelation. But I am going to give you some homework. During the offering, which offering is also a spiritual discipline, there's going to be another basket handed out. And in this basket, this is really fun. I'm excited. I don't know if y'all are. Uh, in this basket, there's going to be little sheets of paper. And on each sheet of paper, there is a different spiritual practice. So I invite you to dig into it, pull out something, and read what it is. And for one week, from this day until the next Sunday, when hopefully I will see your bright and shiny newly suntanned faces return, 
you are going to do one of these practices. And I don't want this to be like, oh, well, I've got this piece of paper and it said to walk my neighbor's dog. I've done that one time and now I'm good. I want you to do it with a sense of deliberate leaning into the spirit of God. How is walking my neighbor's dog, which is not in the basket, but how is this making me closer to my community? How is this making me more loving, more kind, more gentle, more peaceful? How is this exercising self-control? I want this to be an opportunity, not of condemnation, but of invitation into leaning more deliberately into our own sense of ownership of who we are and of who we are in Christ. So, that being said, as we go through this, as we do these practices, I invite you to take pictures, document this, tweet about it, use our awesome hashtag, Adulting Faith. You can bemoan them if they aren't working for you, because realistically, not every spiritual practice is for you. As I've said, 6.30 a.m. is not for this person. But try it. And I promise if none of the options, I promise that none of the options in the basket include not eating for 40 days, and I'm going to do it too, and I'm going to peer pressure all of the people on staff to do it as well. And as a community, we're going to deliberately lean into what God is calling us. Because as a community, when the shit hits the fan, when the wilderness comes, we have no one to lean on but each other. So, let's lean together. We do this not because we have to. We do this not because it is a requirement. But we do this because the wilderness is not just a place where we're tested but it's a place where we have the opportunity to meet God. It's a place where we have an opportunity to receive something good. We do it because Jesus did it, and our goal is to be more and more like him. Amen? Um, pray with me one more time as the band comes forward. God, you know where we are in our journeys. You walk with us. You hear us. You too have been in the wilderness. Help us to lean more deliberately into our relationship with you and into our relationship with our community. May we find joy and life and connection in the disciplines that we adapt this week. In the name of your Son, amen.